Grand Rising, everyone. I like coming to you live. Spirit and coffee. Got my coffee here. Yum. Very good. All right. Let's get started. <laughs> so, the Emerald Tablet, as we were reading yesterday, um, and um, starting to feel a little bit better. Thank God. Thank heavens. Um, reading the Emerald Tablet um, and reading about separating the earth from fire. I know we had some questions yesterday. I still didn't read what a wet alchemist and a dry alchemist is. Not sure what the distinction is there. Um, but we'll um, do that because when people give me information, I always read into it so I can at least understand the perspectives and the way that they're seeing the world or what they're reading because different alchemists have different ways of describing their alchemy. Um, hey Kumar, how are you? Good morning. Okay, so our grand rising, shall I say. <laughs> Let's get started. I'm going to just start reading. Okay, so heaven is his father and his mother. Uh, the great triad. Um, so reads the formula, always exact the same whenever it occurs, regardless of the time or place. That defines the nature of the relationship between man and the other two terms of the great triad by describing him as the son of heaven and earth. Uh, the very fact that there is an uh, initiatic, initiatic formula is itself a clear indication that if we are uh, if we understand it in its full sense, it must not just be thought of or referring to the or ordinary man who is a product of the present world conditions. But as describing a true man, all of whose possibilities um, the initiate is called upon to realize within himself. Um, so basically, good morning, as you've heard over and over again, and you know, nothing new, as I said, is everything is within, but the process of within is what's important. What is your process? And this is what true alchemy is, is speaking to. Because we can take alchemy and create chemistry out of it, or we can co-create, but really the true power comes from our internal alchemy. And how do we process the emotions, the feelings, the sensations, the things that are coming into us? How do we utilize that process for ourselves? Now, everybody's alchemy is different because everybody has different personality types. They're engaging with the world in different ways. Um, maybe they're going through depression, maybe they're going through, um, who knows, perhaps um, their traumas are showing up. How do we deal with that so that we can start to co-create, right? We have the same 24 hours in the day, or we have the same, and some people don't even calculate time, but let's just say this, we have the same 24 hours in the day. How is it that certain people are able to get certain things done and others not? Well, they'll say, well, it's how they use their time. But time itself is a construct of many different things. First of all, it's a man-made construct, but it was dictated by the seasons and really so that we can eat and survive. Then it turned into this Ford model, which we see today, which is the nine to five, where we go to work, we come back. But there's also this piece of the mind that takes up our time. And that is where the alchemy comes from. When we understand how to use that particular alchemy of time and space properly, we open up a whole new world of understanding. So your internal alchemy and process is going to be different based on circumstances and conditions, based on 
your temperament based on your DNA construct, your physiological um, internal happening. What's going on internally is going to sort of support you or hinder you from actually co-creating what it is you want to create in the world or move forward or how you engage it or who your friends are. So the internal, and that's why everybody says, look within, right? But it's, that's very vague, right? We say, well, look within. And you're going to see ancient people. I mean, we're talking about sages. We're talking about masters. We're Jesus Christ. All of these people who were masters, um, who people call the savior, right? Even his big message was the answers are within. Look within. And then people go, well, great. Now, what does that mean? Look within and then what? Okay, so now I'm looking inside and now what? I'm going to tell you right now, looking within is the hardest thing to do. And the processes of who are you? Who are you truly? Now, that's a huge question. And you can spend your entire life on that journey, right? Because it's changing consistently. It's not just one thing. You're not just one thing. <laughs> right? Internally, you have all of these thoughts going through your brain. All these energy, this experience that you're having, that experience and that energy that's moving through you is your internal alchemy. And it's going to be different for everybody else. That's why I can't sit here and tell you what to do with your life. That, that wouldn't be fair. Hey, Roberto, how are you? Uh, good morning. You do all those things by having a better understanding of self. If you notice the people and the cultures that have survivors through the years, they have a better understanding of them and their, hold on one second, environment and cautious of the way that they do things, being self-aware of all around them and respecting that environment. Yes. And so the self-awareness is, is, again, it's different though when we look inside, right? And that's the main thing is that we have the elements to work with in order to overcome some of the darkest moments, the darkest hours, the dark night of the soul. Um, and for those of you who've been through the dark night of the soul, trust me, it's not fun. This work is um, the hardest work that you will do. I can say this, ignorance is bliss. It's easier to just go and be a part of or a product of the system to just do the easy thing, just to do what everybody tells you to do. It's easy and it's not easy because you're still compromising a piece of yourself. Most people, that's why most people end up sick, right? We have these individuals who work their self to death, literally to death. They work their self to the ground. So because they're compromising a piece of themselves, and, it, and then finding the balance, right? Because we need both. We have to work. We can't just sit around and expect things to fall from the sky. There has to be some energy, but what energy? And how are we, what are we using it to, towards? What are we creating? There's a ripple effect. When we, when we make a choice, there's this ripple effect that happens that we don't even understand. Now, when our alchemy's right, when we're choosing from an internal place of love and peace and harmony and joy and to co-create and support the world and, and love the world, the results are going to be vastly different than if we chose from anger, frustration, and all those things. There's still a result. 
but the alchemy internally, something's happening. So, for instance, the dark night of the soul, going through that is going to be very different for a certain individuals. Some people will be frightened. Some people may not be frightened. Some people may be angry. Some people may be depressed. Sorrow. It's almost like there's this Dante's Inferno, and I don't know if you guys know about that, but there, he kind of talked about different layers of what hell would be and different people having different experiences in their own personal hell. And really what he was saying is that we all have our own personal hell that we can create. We could say that perhaps it was the dark night of the soul. And the dark night of the soul is not fun. It's, it's hard to get through. But once you get through it, you find your freedom, your philosopher's stone, right? You are the vessel. You're the holy grail. And then you find that peace and tranquility. But it's not easy. And let me tell you what, most people will run the opposite direction and say, you know what? Let me just do what's already here. I can't handle anymore. After a while, you may not even be able to handle it. It's a lot, even for me, okay? But we have the tools. And if you know how to utilize the alchemy within, you can move through it less painfully, <laughs> not as much suffering because you're finding that equilibrium within, right? You're finding that middle path, which is what Buddhism teaches. How do we find the middle path to get us through perhaps the dark night of the soul, to get through the dark hour, to get through those times that are not comfortable? You know, most people will talk about, oh, the comfortable, good times. But what about those times when we're um, feeling sad and depressed and alone and um, unworthy and not enough? And what do we do? Some people hide out. Some people just go into their little hole and stay depressed. Some people turn angry and violent. You know, there's different ways of, of people exploring the way that they, of those dark hours. Some people throw in the towel. Some people commit suicide. That's how far it can go. If we don't understand how to get out of it, if we don't understand that we have the power to overcome these dark hours, to overcome the depression, to overcome the anxiety, to move through it, to work with it, to befriend it, to recognize that it is a part of our experience, but we don't have to live there forever. But it feels like that. And what ends up happening is, and I'm not saying that anybody who's on medication don't stop taking medication. I'm definitely not a doctor, would never say that, is you have the power to overcome it without medication, without an intermediary. Now, in what I see is that medication hinders the process of us healing. It keeps us in that space. It'll numb you out and freeze you in time where you are stuck in that space. Now, I'm not telling people to go get off their medication. We never do that, right? Because they can get into big trouble for, that, for saying that. But it's hard. It's hard because it feels like you're going to be there forever. And who wants to feel like shit? I know I don't. I don't feel like shit. Do you? No. You know, but it's a necessary process that we have to go through. And getting through those dark hours... Um, requires <laughs> accepting and befriending that that experience, 
that's not easy to do. So anybody who's going through the dark hour or going through a dark night of the soul or going through some sort of process, um, I am here with you. I am with you and just know that there are there is a light in the dark and that you can get through it and befriending it and reminding yourself that you are powerful, that you are enough, that you can get through this. It's too much for some. And I will say, um, you know, sharing from personal experience um, that I had a friend who couldn't handle it. I mean, we were best friends since we were in middle school. We met in middle school. We met when we were in. Um, it's a change in thought and behavior journey of the self. Yeah, it is. It is a change in thought and behavior, but we have to go through some traumas if we experience trauma, right, growing up. So my friend, he, I mean, was a light. I mean, I love this guy. I can't even describe how pure his soul was, how great of a person he is, right? And it's kind of weird because it always feels like the people that kill themselves um, are the ones who are the kindest. I mean, that's how I feel. The ones that, that seem to have this sweetness about them. He had a sweetness about him. And he accepted me for who I was, no matter what. And he and I just clicked. Right. And we became blood brother and sister, you know, and we were young. We were kids. We would go to the movies together. We would hang out. We were always together. And he and I were very intellectual. So he was very emotional and he was more emotional than me. But at a time when emotions were really, um, especially where I live, you having emotions wasn't a good thing for especially for men. Okay. They said, nope, you, you you can't have emotions. You're a wussy, you're this. Well, he sort of got picked on because of it. And his brother wasn't very kind to him. And, and he was very sensitive. And me, I loved that he was sensitive. I loved that he had this, these emotions. Hey, Baram, how are you? Hey, Spinky, the beans, and me. <laughs> um, he had these emotions. Well, growing up, as we got older, the world was cruel to him and that's that's the way the world is i hate to say it like you guys know you're all adults <laughs> it's a cruel world i would be lying if i said it was peaches and roses and cream and everybody's so kind and everybody wants you to win and they're just rooting for you no you have a few but there's haters there's people who are you know looking at you not liking you whatever it is you can say the one wrong thing I mean, as you rise, just as the stars rise to start them, they have to be careful what they say. They say the one wrong thing and the whole world turns against them. I mean, it's, it's rough. Okay. So you have to have a sort of a thick skin. Well, Eric didn't have a thick skin, right? Eric had this beautiful soul and his emotions and I loved him, but the world didn't accept that at the time. He was a weenie. He needed to man up. He needed to do all these things. And as we got older and older and older, he continued to go deeper, deeper, deeper into depression because of it. There wasn't a place for him to be vulnerable. He ended up entering into the dark night of the soul and he didn't know how to get out. 
and he stood in that space of depression. And I used to tell him all the time, Eric, you know, but there was nothing that I could do. It was up to him. Although I was there for him and I tried to do many different things to help him along the way, but I slowly saw his soul being sucked away from him. The beautiful soul that was had emotion was such a good guy, had a big heart. I saw the life slowly being sucked away from him. So again, we can allow ourselves to get pulled into the dark night of the soul and continue to move down the spiral path. It takes a lot to come out of that space. So how do we do that? I say that we befriend it and move through it and allow ourselves to feel everything. That means sometimes shutting off and setting boundaries with people and, and isolating yourself to go through it without the, the influence of other individuals, cutting people off who may not believe in you. And that's hard to do. And I would imagine, Baram, <laughs> let me call on you, come on here, that as you started your journey looking at life through a different lens that you may have um, disassociated from certain individuals. I'm not saying that that's the truth, but I'm almost guessing that's the case. Because as soon as you start to go down the journey and you start to choose yourself and not listen to all of the noise outside of you and start to really hone in on who you are, your alchemy, your process, what works for you, What's going to serve you to become a better human being? Other people will fall out of your life. That's typically what happens. And who wants that? Because it feels isolated. Well, I will tell you in the tarot, there's um, something called the hermit, the hermit card. And the hermit, um, and I've talked about the hermit, the hermit can go deep inside, but there's always the light there available to come out. So sometimes we have to disconnect. Sometimes we have to go into that dark space and we have to be courageous and brave and befriend. But it's not easy for everybody. And that is what hurts my heart. That's where I cry for humanity because some people out there are feeling helpless and like they don't matter and like they're not enough and they don't know how to come out of this twisted dark night, twisted um, space of loneliness or sadness or anger or unworthiness. And I don't even know how much of the population is experiencing that. I don't know what your best guess is. So what I'm saying is we have the alchemy to overcome that. And that's why I love alchemy, because it helps us to identify, to overcome, to remember, to know that we're the magician, that we have all the tools available to move through these processes. That's the mastery, because the result of what we see in the world is just the extension of the internal alchemy, as within, so without. Okay, so we say as above, so below, but as below comes, it's, it's us, as within, so without. So we're working with the macrocosm, the microcosm, the microcosm 
works within the world that we see, the three-dimensional time space to co-create. Again, <laughs> when I'm talking about this stuff, and again, um, you're going to understand I'm saying the same things in different ways. That's what everybody's doing. They're just repeating and regurgitating the same information in a different way. So what do you do? Look at your alchemy. Understand who you are. Ask yourself those deep questions. Sometimes it means losing yourself. Not fun. We want to identify. The ego wants to identify so badly with something. It has to, to survive. It needs an identity. When we come to a space of nothingness, it can feel very like a void, like this emptiness. So what's the trick? Finding the balance between the empty, the nothing, and the everything, the energy in which you identify. Some energies come in to harm. Some come in to support. Determining what energies are coming through you. Now, in the ancient times, they use this information, right? And you have that. You have people say, well, this person told me to do it. Or I heard this voice. Or these voices are telling me to do this stuff. And they're like, what is that voice? We all have voices in our head. It's what voices are you listening to in your head? <laughs> what voices? Write them out. You can understand there's a, so if you looked at sacred contracts, which is a really good book, it's been a while since I've read it. Um, Carolyn Miss, she's really good. I've been following her, reading her for a long time, but she does archetypal mythology. She does, um, are just archetypes. Um, she's, I think a Jungian analysis and, but she, she connects it into the, the houses, the 12 houses, and she has you do a chart almost. Um, and you do your chart to kind of figure out what energies are kind of moving through you. And it gives you a better idea of the construct of your internal alchemy. What's going on internally in you, which is kind of cool, right? Because as soon as we understand these different energy potentials we hold, it's almost like um, archetypal DNA. We have the DNA of our certain archetypes and it's like looking at, well, what is it? How do I how do I utilize these different energy potentials? You know, and there's gonna be ones in there that are uncomfortable as shit. Totally uncomfortable. Moving through them and supporting them. So not to stay in the dark night of the soul, basically. Hard hard to do, trust me especially as you peel back the layers of maybe trauma you're going through and all of these things. So I always say have support. Um, I totally believe in therapy. Um, obviously, I'm in psychology. <laughs> um, but I also believe in coach. I believe in a coach. I'm a life coach. I, I believe in the coaching aspect in terms of, okay, I've gone through therapy. I know where the trauma is. Now what? Now how do I move forward? I'm not staying stuck in that storyline. I get it's a story. Now, how do I move out of this story into a new storyline? We redevelop and recreate and reconstruct our storylines. So looking at the storyline you're living in right now, 
Now, there's storylines that happen um, on a small scale, a community level, right? So we have our maybe interpersonal connections where it's at the um, a smaller scale. There would be our family, right, and our interpersonal, and then it grows into community and society, and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Again, how do they construct, right? And I know um, I always go to bar round because I know what you're up to. Um, and, um, and, and the conspiracy piece, well, that's part of it, right? It's understanding. If we know and we understood the alchemy of the individuals that co-created what we see today, um, we would understand why we have this crazy world and the way it is, and even their next steps, right? We just have to understand the archetypal energies that are at play. And they happen at a larger scale, which we would say government or bigger scales. There's these archetypes that are playing. They're going to be at, at war, at battle. That's why they say, well, it's a spiritual battle. It is. It is. There's energies that are, are clawing for attention. And there's some that are in power that don't want to lose power. Those energies are embodied by the individuals who are holding that energy in place. Um, so another way to look at it, right, um, especially when you're going through and diving in, if you look at it from a bigger scale, I would say, and this is what I've been saying, and of course I told you I'm going to write this book, but it is white supremacy, not in color, not not in, in skin color, I should say, or pigmentation but the archetypal energy that's at play right now, the, the dictator, the one that tells you you don't have choice, that energy potential is coming through other individuals. And it's just being played out. So then we'd have to say, well, what neutralizes it or what transforms it into something different? Who do I have to be? If I was engaging that energy, which it's huge right now. It's big, right? And it's growing. It's almost like Agent Smith, right? They're just growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. So as it grows and we, we're facing this beast or this giant, what alchemy are we going to use to neutralize it? What other archetypal energies can actually help to balance the scales? I don't know that it'll ever go away. I don't know that archetypes ever go away. I think they transform into something else. So what's on the good end of it, right? Because we could focus on all the bad shit. But what what happens when we transform it into something good? And if we face the beast, how do we transform the beast? Or do we slay the beast? Or what do we do? What tools are we going to use? <clears throat> I would say your tools, right, are education. I'm going to educate. I'm going to communicate. That's the tool I'm going to use, which is wind. Then it can come from a place of emotional understanding, which would be wind and water. Or it could come from anger and power and focus and will. And that would be wind and fire. So understanding the energies that we're using and who has who has the the microphone who's center stage communicating it 
What is the energy potential moving through you as you educate these individuals? Not easy questions, not something you're going to figure out overnight, perhaps, or maybe you already know. But that's what's going to neutralize it. That's what's going to transform it, understanding it. And, and when you're looking inside of you and you're dealing with these energies that are inside, depression, anxiety, sadness, whatever it is, there's always a way to transform it or neutralize it. It's just figuring out what's going to work for you. Okay, so we're going to continue on tomorrow. Um, yeah, as a son of heaven and earth, the initiate has inside himself not only the four earthly elements, but also the three heavenly ones, which is why the ancients viewed the individual as a microcosm of the whole universe. So there you go. That's what I was saying. Everything's inside of us. We need to understand how to work the elements internally in order to support us back into that harmony and peace and joy. Then we can actually work with bigger things. So it's all there, the elements within, okay? Um, and just understanding how to utilize them properly. That's it. And that becomes your alchemy. And it's interesting what comes, what a result of that becomes because People will like people have asked me, well, how did you come to know this? How do you know this? What do you what did you do? How do you and I always kind of like don't know how to answer the question because it's really alchemy. I just go, well, it's alchemy. Just read out read on alchemy. I just read on alchemy and applied it to my life. And then there's some experience that happens. So the things that I speak into are not just words, they're actually experiences because we need both. We need both. It's it's even and even though I would say um, chemistry is a manipulation of alchemy, it's still the same thing. They put things and they try things and they they take things away and they use the vessel, right? They're using these tiny things to figure out how to come up with the right mix for whatever it is they're trying to create. It's the same thing for you. You're the vessel. You're just putting in different things to try to figure out the right balance to bring you back to harmony. Same thing, same concept, but you become your own prod, your own science project, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> That's what I'd say. You're your own science project. Okay. So anyway, there you have it. I love you guys so much. Um, definitely. Um, see you guys tomorrow. Um, where we go over, um, continuing the earth from the fire. Um. Uh, yeah, they talk about the correspondence, the forces that shape the cosmos and are present in man and the, the doctrine of correspondence um, is important for alchemy. Okay, no matter how far man has fallen from grace, no matter how tightly shackled to the chains of physicality he has allowed himself to become, there is hope for him because he has all the elements necessary to set himself free. There you go. We can set ourselves free. All right. So there you have it. Um, I love you guys very, very much. Have the most fantastical day ever. And of course, I will be seeing you all tomorrow. Bye-bye.